This podcast is presented by the Bet Parks online casino and sportsbook app. New customers download now and get up to $1,000 in casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. See BetParks.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 in PA, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult to Today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation semi annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal too. Schedule a no obligation in home estimate now. Call 866 Nation or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at ClipIt.tv or check them on Twitter at ClipIt.tv. Hey guys, John Barchard here, and guess what? We are one week away. In fact, we're less than one week away from actual real football happening and also you clicking on Red Zone and getting ready for the fantasy season as well. And that's why you need to get to DraftKings immediately. Immediately. DraftKings is hosting a $100,000 contest this Sunday that is absolutely 100% free and if you draft the perfect lineup you can win up to 1 billion dollars with a b that's bill gates money with a b billion with DraftKings. There are so many different ways to play. You can choose between public contests with big cash prizes. You can get your buddies together to do it. DraftKings also has beginner and casual contests where you'll play against other people of the same skill level. So get to DraftKings.com now and use promo code BGNR. That's BGNR to play in DraftKings free contest with $100,000 in total prizes this Sunday. And again, if you draft the perfect lineup, you can win $1 billion. Just simply use the promo code BGNR to play with your shot to win $1 billion this Sunday. The contest is totally free to enter, so why wouldn't you try it? DraftKings, the game inside the game. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. You're listening to BGN Radio. Anyone that wants to doubt me, I'm just it just fuels the fire, you know, and um, I'm just ready to prove anybody wrong and um, prove people right, the people that believed in me. So I'm ready, ready to go. It gets worse and worse and more awkward and more awkward. John Barchard needs to be here to do it for him. Maybe I'll just use his recorded voice from now on and then just come in after. Uh, it is James Seltzer. It is episode 257 of BGN Radio as we are 
breaking down the final 53-man roster as the Eagles. Uh, some surprises along the way, but uh, I think ultimately, at least uh, the majority of people relatively happy with how it played out. Let's find out who, uh, how the man, the myth, the legend himself, the editor-in-chief at Bleeding Green Nation feels. Uh, again, uh, my friend, Mr. Brandon Lee Gowton. BLG, what's going on, buddy? Worse and worse. And more awkward as things go on, just kind of like this <laughs> podcast. Yes, yes, that is a that is an appropriate thing to say. Is a, um, I think it's probably not going to get much worse than that open. Hopefully, uh, if it does, I apologize. But um, it, it's already been pretty bad because of that, Brandon. So um, why don't we give the people what they want and no more cracked voice slash strange attempts at at an open that. Um, is just getting awkward, Brandon. So um, big news with the Eagles, obviously. Uh, coming up a little later, uh, we will get into maybe uh, some news surrounding the head coach, but let's uh, let's stick with some front office decisions here, BLG. We'll get into some specific position decisions and looking at some specific position groups, but like right off the top, you know, all the moves come out a, a little after 4 o'clock yesterday. We kind of get the, the email from the team. You start to hear everything. The practice squad gets finalized today. We'll get into that as well. Uh, how do you feel, man? What, what do you kind of uh, – what was your biggest takeaways from, from all that went down yesterday? Overall, no real huge shocking surprises to the extent of what happened, obviously, a year ago from the recording of this podcast when the Eagles traded Sam Bradford. No trades at the all. The greatest day in the history of, of the world. James, the greatest day. I gave you a shout-out, by the way, in the post on BleedingGreenNation.com. I remember you <laughs> saying that you would be fine with the Eagles just getting a fourth for Sam Bradford. And that is correct. First and a fourth. So definitely a good day in that regard. But really weird because there, it's Howie Roseman. There's always trades, and there weren't any trades at this deadline. There's still time. I mean, maybe he makes one tomorrow, of course, or as probably as like soon as this podcast is done being recorded because that's how <laughs> things work. That's how it works. But um, overall, I was kind of disappointed a little bit on day one, meaning like uh, Saturday, right after the 53-man was revealed. Five running backs. Just feels really heavy. But after the practice squad was revealed, and we'll get into that a little bit more later, I'd start to, you know, I felt better about things. And overall... Uh, there's nothing egregious, I would say, here. You might not agree with everything, but there's nothing like, oh, this is just terrible. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. And, uh, you know, I think the five running backs is really ugly. It's just like, wh why do we need five of these guys here? And I don't know if um, – I don't think ultimately long-term, I think they're going to find a way to – to end up with four running backs, whether it's eventually moving one of these guys to the practice squad or, uh, you know, the phantom IR still in play in my mind with Donnell Pumphrey. But uh, I agree. I think on the whole, you look at it, you know, you've got the greatest practice squad in the history of practice squads. So uh, at least according to, to Eagles fans would be my guess after the practice squad that has been assembled. But um, Brand, why don't we start with the Clement Pumphrey thing? You know, the five running backs. I certainly don't remember an Eagles team ever having five running backs. A, do you like what's your general take on the five running backs? And B, do you think they're going to end with five running backs come like week three of the season? I think John Barchard said it best. If you have five running backs, you don't have any running backs. <laughs> I think that's the that case. is correct. It is very true. There's a good point by John. Uh, man, it's first, you know, everyone gets a good <laughs> first one ever. Um, it's, it's true though. It's really, it's just weird because you, you look at it and you think, all right, you know, you want to keep players who are good. 
and you want to you <laughs> want to keep ideally it doesn't always work out like this and i think that with the way the eagles made some of these cuts it doesn't reflect this but in general you want to keep the 53 best players there might be some exceptions with developmental guys we saw that with shelton gibson and clearly donald pumphrey part of this running back group but it, it's just like they have five running backs and none of them are really any good in a full-time role uh, darren sproles is obviously a future i think at least at least on the bubble for the Hall of Fame. So he's a really good player, no doubt. But, man, Blunt didn't have a good preseason. We'll see how he looks in the regular season. But even still, he's not this ideal great thing you feel awesome about. Uh, Wendell Smallwood looked good, but he can't stay healthy. And we'll see how that goes. Pumphrey just didn't look like he deserved to make the team. Like, that's what it comes down to. And, and Howard Eskin almost, I think, tried to get Howie to, to try to – like, he was trying to debate him – in that press conference to say, did you keep the 53 best players? Because there's no way you could, you could, there's no way Howie could say, yes, we did, and you have Donnell Pumphrey on the team. Because he quite simply was just not one of the 53 best players. He was one of the worst players, or at least, you know, closer towards the bottom, certainly than right on the bubble there for the 53, because he did not look good this summer. Um, the Eagles feel like they can develop him still. But overall, you know, five running backs, I still think. And really, it's six because you have Byron Marshall on the practice squad. Yeah. So, And it's funny because you look at, and this is one thing I definitely wanted to mention tonight, is the, the Jonathan Williams cut up in Buffalo. Yes. I mean, if you can get that guy, <laughs> I would like to have him here. And maybe that means you have to cut Chloe Clement, which would be a bummer. But at the same time, you know, I don't think – that's anything terrible i've been saying all along i think he's more of just a guy and maybe you could even bring him on the the practice squad and then have seven running backs because why not but yeah i i think they i just feel like they still need to do something at running back here yeah, I agree. And look, I think um, I think you made a good point that, you know, when you look at the practice squad, like there's no one who we saw this preseason and we're like, that guy's got to make the team who isn't at, at the worst on the practice squad. So, you, you know, it's hard to get too angry about the decisions they made because theoretically, you know, you they didn't put anyone out to, to the rest of the league that got claims. So, you know, they played it right um, in theory, you know, at least. Um, but, but I'm with you. I think like, obviously from what we saw from Donnell Pumphrey certainly doesn't deserve to hold a 53 man roster spot. Having said that, look, I'm, I'm really okay with them making decisions that are not just for the now, but also for the future. Like if Donnell Pumphrey is going to have value at some point down the road, you know, I'm okay with that. The bigger question is, will he, I, you know, we haven't seen anything that shows that he will, obviously the lack of explosiveness, the lack of. Um, you know, um, elusiveness, the lack of really just anything, anything to pop off the screen. Like even Sheldon Gibson, like had a couple plays where you're like, I, right, you know, I could see something there. Um, so, you know, either way, it just with the history with Howie and with this, you know, this kind of regime and, and obviously Joe Douglas here now, but um, you know, with the history, it just, you always wonder if, if they kept him because he was a fourth round draft pick and not because it was in the best interest of you know the team so uh my bigger issue and and again i'm okay with decisions made for the long term my bigger issue is like you said earlier brandon it just feels like you're uh you know kind of getting worse at other or, or willing to be worse at other positions or willing to let better players at other positions not be carried on the 53 to kind of, you know, put band-aids on an accident, as it were. You know, it's like this running game is not going to be good. So it feels like what you're doing is just kind of trying to 
to plug a hole with something that's not going to be able to plug it. So um, I, I kind of lean that way as well. I, you know, look, I'm very happy. I said this on the WIP show on Saturday when um, the Corey Clement news broke right before the end of the show that, you know, good for Corey. Like, that's an yeah. awesome story. Outside all the stuff, and I've been pretty open about saying that that I'd be totally fine if he didn't make the team. Um, but, you know, he did. And, and he is, um, at least for now, we should say. Yes. Um, but it's a great story, man. He grew up an Eagles fan. You know, he uh, undrafted free agent. He came here and, and he fought his way onto the team. So it's an awesome story. But uh, like UBLG, as much as it's a great story, if they can bring Jonathan Williams in, I'm doing that like like that. Like I'm not thinking twice about it. So um, it, interesting to see how that'll play out there. And and ultimately, I think, you know, I, like John said, I think if you have five running backs, you have any. And I don't think ultimately – uh, either Clement or Pumphrey is going to have any sort of impact on the field early on anyway. So uh, we'll have to see how it all shakes out there. What, BLG, let's uh, let's segue to the wide receivers quickly as um, our boy, our, uh, our one and only Mr. Marcus Johnson fills yes. out the roster with the fifth spot. Very exciting to see that. How did you feel about the way the wide receiver position played out? I know personally I was – you know, angling for Treggs to make the team now that he is, uh, you know, again on that dream team of a practice squad. I feel slightly better about it. But um, how do you feel about the decision to keep five and the fact that Johnson was the fifth? Well, six, right? Because you're because Gibson too. Oh yeah, and Gibson as well. Duh. I, I I think I'm thinking of Gibson as someone who's not going to contribute immediately to this team right now. Yeah, absolutely. Duh. And that's the case. That's that's the interesting thing. With I, he's like, like redshirted in my mind. You know. Same thing with Pumphrey. Yeah, these guys are. It's kind of like the Dylan Gordon thing last year where the Eagles really just wanted to keep him on the roster so he wouldn't get poached, but they never really played him at all. It's the same thing. Um, I think Gibson definitely – he put himself back in the mix to be on the bubble. Like he had a really bad start to camp. I'm sure everyone who's following along with my tweets saw that every day, mm-hmm. dropping passes. And even in the fourth preseason game, he dropped a pass. I know the defender came and kind of like hit him, but still, it was like it was weak. Like the, the defender barely touched him, and he's, he's Gibson still dropped the pass. So whatever, um, I'm fine with him staying. I thought it was a little bit surprising, you know, especially because the funny thing is like, all right, so the Eagles want to keep these young guys instead of keeping maybe some other players around. But like Bryce Treggs isn't an old veteran. It's not like yeah, you're, exactly. you're. It's not like you know you're you're, you're cutting some. Uh, I was suggesting them to cut a fifth-round pick in in uh, favor of a 30-year-old wide receiver at the end of his career. That's not the case. So uh, the wide receiver picture is interesting, not only because the Eagles kept six on the roster, but also the two on the practice squad as well with Treggs and Ward. And a guy like Treggs, here's the thing about this practice squad that I have to say. It's not going to last the season, and that's fine. I don't think any of these guys are going to be very consequential to the team's success. Uh, no, no, none of these. You lose these guys, it's not a big deal. Um, but still, I, I just don't think there's any way this ro- this practice squad rather stays intact. I think some of these guys get signed as the season goes on, so I wouldn't like expect everyone to be here. And that's something you kind of have. That's the counter to like, well, everyone made the practice squad, so why are you concerned? Well, it's like these guys can still get poached off of there, so we'll see how that shakes out. Yeah, no, great point. Another guy on the practice squad you just mentioned who they didn't want to get poached, Dylan Gordon, surprised he didn't make the 53-man as well. Uh, I, I, I'm there with you again. Like, it's so funny that, that I say the five wide receivers because I'm like – already writing off Sheldon Gibson as someone who will contribute <laughs> to this team this year. Like how could you have watched him and say he's going to contribute? Whereas Treggs, at least you think could have gotten on the field and done something. 
Um, we'll see how it all plays out. I agree. Maybe they can phantom IR some guys here and there, you know. Uh, we'll see how liberal we could be with that as well. But um, I, I was surprised as well. I think Johnson certainly deserved to make the team. I just thought that Treggs gave them something different um, that none of those other guys gave them. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out. Look, ultimately, again, I, I think that's kind of the the fun and also infuriating part of this time of year is that we're arguing over the sixth wide receiver, the, you know, fourth, fifth running back, all this type of stuff where it's guys who theoretically for the most part, aren't going to have a huge impact on how this season plays out. And yet um, we, you know, critique it down to the, uh, <laughs> down to the you know letter. So uh, it, it is entertaining though. So Brandon, outside of, um, at least on the offensive ball, before we segue over to the defense, um, any other surprises outside of the five running backs and the decision to keep Gibson? One of the surprising things that doesn't have to do with a position group necessarily is the fact that the Eagles didn't claim anyone on waivers today. Now, you looked at last year, they claimed three guys, and, and the Eagles were 12th in the waiver order, so they weren't right up at the top. But, you know, they there were some guys that went by them, like Matt Jones, who I didn't really want because I think he fumbles a lot. And I wasn't really all about that, but I know some people were. So he went to the Colts, who were behind the Eagles in the waiver mm-hmm. order. So I think that's that's telling, because the fact that Howie Roseman didn't claim anyone tells you that the Eagles feel good about the guys they have. And that was a little surprising to me, just from that standpoint. Uh, I thought Billy Brown had a decent chance to make the team, just because, not even just because so much about what he did, although that's part of it. It's just because the Eagles after this year and if you're going to think about the long term do you really need to keep five running backs or do you need to keep a player like billy brown where you're looking to the future and you're realizing trey burton's going to be a free agent after this year and brent Selick is probably done and that all so that basically means all you have is zach Ertz under contract it might be nice to keep an extra guy around but maybe billy brown sticks around on the practice squad um nate gary gets put on the practice squad that's fine. I think that's actually, you know, I don't think anyone's, I think they knew people weren't going to poach him just because he's going from safety to linebacker. And that's a transition that all teams might not see that working, but the Eagles did. So they could afford to take that risk. Um, As far as the rest of the roster here, especially in offense, I don't think any real surprises other than the they went a little lighter on offensive line than I would have guessed. And I guess the, the one thing that did surprise me is the Chance Wormack extension. Yes. Because I didn't really think Chance Wormack had a great summer. And if the Eagles want to keep him because of the Jeff Stoutland connection and he's only 25, fine. But why does that mean he gets an extension? I know it's probably not like a good deal. It probably makes sense for the Eagles to sign him because if he somehow if he does play well, then at least you have that one year. And if he sucks, you can still probably cut him for not much money. Uh, but still, it was just like kind of weird to me. Yeah, no, I think that you just said why they did it, though. And, and it might seem weird because we haven't seen much. But, um, you know, if you take the flip side of that argument, a 25-year-old former number 10 overall pick in the draft as a guard back with his coach in college who made him that guy who was the 10th pick in the draft, you know, and if Stout says, hey, listen, give me some more time with him, I could, I could still do this. I feel like this coaching staff and this organization trust that guy enough to say, all right, we'll give him a chance there. Um, at least that's kind of my take. And me and John uh, Barchard, uh, when it came down, that was a, something else that came down during the WIP show, kind of both had that feel there that they were just like, all right, Stout, we trust you. You know, here's your guy, go do it. 
Uh, and look, I'm willing to give somewhat of a chance. Uh, you know, uh, Wormack has, uh, the fact that Wormack has been awful every single second he's been in the NFL for the most part, um, it doesn't make me feel uh, very bullish about it, but I'm certainly willing to give Stoutland. We, we've seen Jeff Stoutland be a pretty good coach so far, at least in my mind. Um, and, I, you know, if he is willing to believe in him, I am too, especially a guy, again, um, you know, interior linemen do not go in the top 10 of the draft very often. So um, there, there's usually at least some reason for them to go there from a talent perspective and a skills perspective and an athleticism perspective. So, um, again, only 25. I'm willing to give him a chance with Stoutland. Let's flip uh, flip over to the defensive side of the ball, BLG, as, uh, I don't know, at least for me, I look at the, the, the moves they made here, and I don't really have anything to complain about. Like, they kind of kept the exact defense and backups that I wanted them to keep, including Stephen Means over Alex McAllister. Matthew <laughs> Darren, can you hear me? Where's my cheese stick? <laughs> um, but BLG, like looking at it, like we're, you know, kind of, uh, not really many surprises, even the backup linebackers, we kind of nailed those guys. Like, what do you kind of take away from, from the defensive moves here? Well, I'm sure you love the Jalen Watkins inclusion there, James. I'm sure that's just BLG. I was hoping up. it wouldn't get mentioned. I was trying to sound positive. <laughs> you got to bring it up that they did that. And I, 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 I I can't even talk about it, BLG. I have to watch this guy play again. Like, it's so depressing. It's Howie's Gator bias, man. Everyone got chip on having duck bias, and it's very true. But Come on. It's an outrage, all right? Yeah, but look, come on. Howie has his guys, too. He went to Florida. There's some Gators on this roster. Riley Cooper got a contract extension at one point. I'm just saying, man. Gator bias is not I believe. I truly believe in the Gator bias. Tim Tebow was here, was he not? Yeah, but I guess that's when Howie was ousted. But hey, I know, I know. Hey, I know, maybe I know. he made a. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we, uh, yeah, Alex McAllister just got booted, so I guess that helps. Well, he's on he's on IR now, I believe. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah, okay. Well, so he's, th- I believe the Gator bias is real. Real, it's, I'm it's, with you. It's there. not fake. That's what I'll say. Not that not much. real. It's not Let's say fake. That. Yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> when I look at the defense here, the first thing that pops out to me is just the Eagles are stacked on the defensive line, like. Across the board, it's not just the starters. You look at Brandon Graham, Vinny Curry, Derek Barnett, Chris Long, Stephen Means, and then you have a developmental guy like Steve, or sorry, Alex McAllister on injured reserve. And you look at defensive tackle, and it's Cox and Jernigan. And Bo Allen looked pretty good against the Jets in limited playing time. Nice to see he's back. Destiny Vallejo, that's a guy the Eagles like. Is a, he was pretty much the third guy when Allen was missing time, so they like him a lot. And then Qualls had a killer preseason, man. Qualls that guy, was a beast, yo. He, he was he a beast. Up. That first step he has, you just it's see it. It's quick. He, he has such <laughs> quick feet, man. It's so impressive, isn't it? And he's huge. Like He's not tall, but he's very, you know, he's round. Stout. <laughs> and, um, and then you, you have Justin Hamilton, who was running with the second team and who had an underrated preseason, pretty much deserved to make the team. And honestly, I'm kind of surprised he wasn't picked up on waivers. I don't think he'll last a season on this practice squad. So to have all that depth on the defensive line, I think it's great. Uh, linebacker, you have Walker, who I think deserved a spot in the team. Uh, Najee's still here, which is whatever. And then my guy, Kamu yes. Blue J. Hill. <laughs> Love him. Howie Roseman said he had the chance to be not only one of the best special teams players on this team but in the in nfl the league. yes so and i, I love that because awesome. he plays this guy plays with fire man yes yeah i like kamu a lot uh, i was glad to see he made the team he deserved it the only other interesting name i guess would be that 
they did keep Dexter McDougal. I think some people didn't expect that to happen. But to me, the Eagles traded for him. You know, they, they, they traded a player who was looking like he was going to make the roster in Terrence Brooks to get McDougal. And I thought McDougal looked pretty okay out there against the Jets, uh, his former team, as a backup in the slot. Maybe, and the way Howie Roseman was talking about him, he sounds kind of optimistic about him. And maybe McDougal takes over for Patrick Robinson if Patrick Robinson struggles in the slot or gets hurt, which is, you know, based on his career, could easily happen. So, overall, you said it, James. I think the defense is looking pretty good for the most part, not only starters-wise, but depth as well. Yeah, that's where I think they kind of really nailed it with the depth. And and I'm with you, too. As soon as they traded for McDougal, I, I, had, I, I was 100% confident he was going to make the roster. You don't trade for a guy like that. And like you said, give away Terrence Brooks, who – I think was going to make the roster as well and certainly deserved to make the roster from what we saw. Um, you don't treat a guy like that. If like before the third preseason game, you're not going to get a long enough look at McDougal in-house to really decide anyway. You know, I think you make that trade just penciling him into that, uh, that roster unless he comes here and he's like the biggest asshole of all time or something, mm-hmm. you know, but um, I think that that was definitely set before, uh, before, you know, the trade was, or when the trade was even made. Um, also, I look, I like uh, Robinson in the slot significantly more than anywhere Agreed. else. He's so much better in there. He's not good, but um, at least he's serviceable. Uh, but I'm with you. I think the stuff that kind of made me happy was, um, you know, kind of uh, opposite of the offense where a guy like Treggs or Billy Brown, I thought, deserved to make the team potentially over guys who did make the team. Um, here it was the guys who I wanted to make the team and thought deserved it over the competition pretty much all made it. I mean, like you said, like Elijah Qualls, like that dude Beast. had to make this team. Like, how do you not put that guy on this team? Steven Means deserved to make this team. Sorry, Matt. Uh, Grugier Hill <laughs> deserved to make this team. So I think from that perspective, you know, I think you got to give GM Schwartz a little credit here, right? I mean, GM Jim Schwartz. Um, So uh, one question about the defense before we move on here. One more here. Um, Michael Kendricks, how's this thing kind of play out here? It seems like he's (laughs) probably here, right? But, like, do you still believe, like, if if Howie gets a call? I mean, what do you think the Michael Kendricks outcome ends up being ultimately? Yeah, the NFL trade deadline is until sometime till October or or late October, early November. I don't know the exact date offhand. That's bad job by me. But it was somewhere in the twenties last year. I think I want to say like October twentieth or twenty first or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was late or it was so. I knew they pushed it back. So I, I still think there's a non-zero chance that guy gets moved if the right offer comes up. If a team is suddenly lacking linebacker depth and wants him. But for now, I thought it was interesting that he didn't play in the fourth preseason game. I thought he was he was going to be suited up for that game, and I was going to be like, "Hey guys, look, look, he's, he's, he's out like, there again, yeah, he's out there again." But he what's wasn't. going on? So he's having a good preseason, and maybe the Eagles do want to get him a little more involved. I, you know, it's not like he's suddenly going to be getting all the snaps. That's just not going to happen. Maybe he plays a little more than twenty-seven percent, though. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I think. For now, he's here, and that's it's a surprise to me. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think it's absolutely a surprise, and I think he's here. And uh, look, you know, at least the way it's set up right now, I think that, you know, if he can come out and if he wants out of town, then good, play your ass off and get out of town, man. You know, do, earn yourself a contract next year. Do whatever you got to do. So, um, I, look, I, I think if nothing else, maybe he's motivated that uh, that his career is on the ropes here. And, um, uh, you know, he's never uh, – 
never lacked for self-confidence. So maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe you can put that to good use this year. Uh, PLG, before we kind of move on and, um, get into some of the other interesting things surrounding the, the team. And of course, uh, some comments and of course the practice squad, one more question here, just cause we did cover the offense and the defense, but, um, I haven't really heard much talk about, I mean, I've heard people talk about it, but I haven't heard people really give much credence to the, um, the frankly bad play we saw from the special teams during the preseason. I am generally tend to lean towards it's the preseason, uh, you know, in most cases and not overreact, but special teams is usually just running down and running into dudes and, you know, making the right, you know, running, staying in your lanes and all that type of stuff. So, um, you know, when I see the special teams struggle in preseason, maybe it's a little bit more than the, of a worry for me. Um, do you have any worries about this, this special teams unit? I mean, it has been so solid the last few years. Yeah. They, they did lose some guys. Obviously there's no Brayman anymore. Um, Nolan Carroll did, I believe, contribute on special teams to some extent. Um, so you did, there might be some other guys I can't think of on the top of my head, but you did lose some guys and that's always a concern. Overall, we have Dave Fitman. You know, he's the best special teams coordinator ever, I believe. So I'm not. John I'm Harbaugh not, might have something to say about that, right? <laughs> Very true. But, but um, I think part of the reason, you know, we, we don't think special teams is awesome is part, like, Donald Pumphrey was back there. You know, I, I know we're talking about coverage, too, but, you know, if Darren Sproles was out there in the preseason, he'd probably be lighting some guys up, and we probably wouldn't be thinking about it as much, maybe. Same thing with Wendell Smallwood, who will be the team's kick returner and did have that touchdown against Washington last year. So I think maybe we'll feel better about it when the regular season comes. I agree that it's like it's something to keep an eye on. It's like, like if, a low-key worry, right? It's like a low-key worry. Yeah. If, we, if we see it early in the season, then we're like, oh, man, that's not. maybe that just is something. But if, if nothing happens, then we're like, all right, it was just a blip on the radar. One small thing I wanted to talk about before we get to the practice squad, I imagine, is Sidney Jones. That's kind of, uh, you know, yes, it's a worth very a good point because uh, to BLG and actually it's also worth mentioning that for further detail on this BLG, uh, I think, did a, a service to everybody and actually put an article up explaining the difference uh, between the type of IR that he is on. So uh, BLG explained to the people point being that that theoretically there's still a chance Sidney Jones could play this year. Absolutely. Yeah, this isn't this isn't a kind of any kind of uh, injured reserve situation where he's out for the year. It's the reserve slash non-football injury list which is effectively the same thing as the pup list the pup list um the only difference is on this list the eagles have the right not to pay the player but i doubt that'll be the case here that's just kind of a legal or whatever how they it's not an important thing The the key thing to take away from this is for 100 percent sydney jones will be out the first six weeks of the season from there the eagles have a couple weeks to decide do we want to activate Sidney Jones or not? And if they do within that window, then from that point where he starts practicing, they have 21 days to either put him on the 53-man roster or shut him down for the season. So you can debate what they should do. I've been of the mindset that I personally, I kind of want them to let him practice, see how he does. And that's three weeks of practice. So I think that's a valuable practice time. And then kind of just shut him down because – I just don't think he's going to be ready to contribute after missing all this time and not being able to get those reps in off tra- uh, the training program, training camp, off-season practices, all of those things. 
I know some people want to keep him as depth. I just think that's kind of a waste. I, the, the problem is I know Sidney Jones and his agent are probably going to want him to play. But if this was me and if I had the power to, I think the ideal situation is to sit him out for the year so you're not pressuring him at all. You're not rushing him. You're not risking anything. And you get the bonus of if he misses the entire year, he's not an unrestricted free agent at the end of his deal. He's a restricted free agent. So that would give the Eagles a better chance at keeping him in the long term as well. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you, BLG, like 100 million percent there. Like if it were up to me, I would uh, put him on ice. I, I think that, you know, the long term asset that you have there is far more valuable. Look, uh, you know, uh, it's hard for, for fans who either don't watch Washington football or didn't really look back at what he did in college to, to kind of understand how good this kid can be and, and was in college. Um, and the fact that, you know, look, he's a second round pick and people are like, well, I haven't seen him. He's not contributing, but he would have been the first cornerback off the board. I, I really believe that. I think he would have gone ahead a lot of more like he is so talented. And I think people would have, you know, talked themselves into him a lot higher up in the draft. I think he could have been a top 10 pick even. Um, so look, I, this is a long-term valuable asset for this team. Uh, BLG, I'm with you. I think there's no need to push it. There's no reason to push it. So, uh, we'll kind of see how that plays out, but I think either way, you know, it's certainly a um, more uh, better than not, you know, positive at least to hear that he's progressing well enough so that at least there is, in theory, the potential that he could take the field this season. PLG, uh, uh, let's get to the vaunted, potentially historic, all-time great practice squad. Here's my question for you, BLG: Line up the Eagles starters and the no. Let's go line up the Patriots starters in this practice squad. <laughs> Practice squad wins, right? I mean, it's that amazing. It's a pretty good practice squad. <laughs> it's it, like, again, for me to kind of feel, I was kind of feeling a little frustrated or bummed out, not majorly, but just like a little annoyed with the original 53 man roster to see that they got all the bubble guys who I wanted some of them to keep on the practice squad. And I'm sure many others feel this way. It kind of took that frustration away. Feels really good. And probably, obviously, the most critical practice squad signing on this list, and I love this, is quarterback Nate Sudfeld. Yes! It's so good. It's it's so good because the Eagles play Washington in a, less than a week from the time we're recording this podcast. And look, they haven't been able to beat Washington since 2014. That's way too long. If they can do anything to get a little extra edge, I really like it. And I like the fact that Washington wanted to keep Sudfeld. This wasn't just like, oh, we didn't even want him. Here, you can have him. No, they wanted to keep him. But for some reason, and probably because he had a lot to do with money, and I'm sure the Eagles gave him a nice little chunk of chains for signing with their practice squad. But now Knight, Knight Sudfeld is a Philadelphia Eagle, and Jim Schwartz is probably the first coach to meet him, and he's probably picking his brain. And now the Eagles are going to go down and beat Washington. Chalk another one up to GM Jim Schwartz. You guarantee you he made that happen. Uh, no, I'm with you, man. That's exciting. And look, again, uh, just from a practice squad perspective, you know, you've got Treggs on there who, uh, you know, I wanted to see make the team. Uh, like you said, Hamilton looked good. Dylan Gordon 
was a guy I think a lot of people thought might make the team. Billy Brown uh, obviously makes this squad. And then, you know, even the guys like uh, Byron Marshall, I think a lot of people are happy to see there. Greg Ward, uh, I think some people are happy to see there. So uh, on the whole, I think really uh, a nice job with the practice squad and, and certainly surprised a lot of those guys went through. I think that, that you made a really good point, though, BLG, about the practice squad in the sense that I think this year, even more than other years, and, and I think this whole new system has been a fucking blast. You know what I mean? Like yesterday or two days ago, whatever it was, cut day was like the most fun cut day I've ever had. Like that was awesome. Uh, but, and the trades and everything, I think it's been um, a very cool thing. But I think that you're right, BLG, even more so that practice squad players are more likely to get plucked off this year in the sense that, um, you know, 1,100 or players or whatever it is go on the market at the same time. It's 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 hard to kind of keep up with that, you know, and especially if you've already chosen your 53 and you're trying to keep up with everything happening. I think it might take teams a little bit more time to get around uh, to plucking players they might like. So I, I think that there's still going to be more movement coming, as, as you alluded to as well, um, uh, the potential for that at least. So... Um, yeah, interesting stuff there. And, and, uh, I think, uh, Washington, obviously, man, uh, you know, look, Sue Cravens, uh, I don't know if he's going to retire or not, but it looks like he's certainly not going to be there this week. Um, you know, things are not looking good for this, this Washington racist team right now. So, um, nice to see Nate Sudfeld come over to the, uh, come over to the light side from the dark side blg uh any final thoughts on the whole roster cut down all that stuff before we uh dive into somebody who actually hates doug peterson more than me if you can believe it i think we just need to get right to that yeah let's get right into it blg because because and i look i very much am a as you know as most people know big big fan of the ringer i i like the content they put out i'm a bill simmons guy um but But that's fine. Hate haters, <laughs> haters. No, um, but uh, either way, like like it, like the ringer, hate it, whatever. It doesn't matter. They put out some good content, um, regardless. Uh, Michael Lombardi of the Ringer has uh, has made some uh, former NFL GM, we should say, um, has made some comments. BLG. He compared Doug Peterson to Roy Rubin who was a Sixers head coach, if you didn't know, who won four games <laughs> and had 47 losses before he got fired. So wow. not, not a very good coach. But to compare Doug Peterson to Roy Rubin, first of all, just let me let me read you what Mike Lombardi, a snippet of what he said. You can find the full quote on bleedinggreennation.com. Mike Lombardi says, Hey, Fred. He's referring to Fred Carter, who had this <laughs> quote about uh, Roy Rubin saying letting Rubin coach was like letting a teenager run a big corporation. He says, hey, Fred, meet the Eagles head coach, Doug Peterson. Now, Ooh. everybody knows Peterson isn't a head coach, which is factually untrue, by the way. Um, he <laughs> might be less qualified to coach a team than anyone I've ever seen in Whoa! my 30 plus years in the NFL. Okay, so wow, I thought I was among the biggest Petersonators. No one is in Lombardi's fucking zip code. Jesus Christ. Um, all right, here's what I will say, and then I want to get your take on this. I obviously, like, look, we've already seen enough from Doug Peterson to know that he is far from the worst coach in the history of the league. Whether he is good or not, uh, still very much up for debate, but Doug Peterson, clearly not the worst coach in the history league. Not the worst coach we've seen in this city. For those of you old enough to remember a man named Richard Kotite, uh, Dick Kotite, as I like to call him. Uh, but look, uh, I, I do, at least from a 
qualification oh, no. standpoint. No, 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 no. Look, I'm not gonna say the least, you know. But like, I I can understand the concept that like, you know, he didn't have. He was coaching high school football three years ago or four years ago, whatever it is. But I think you could also look at Chip Kelly's, you know. Uh, uh, resume and not say it was that much more impressive. Zero NFL experience and hasn't been a head coach for that long prior to that, even if he had success. So I think you poke holes in a lot of different types of resumes like that. But um, I think, look, again, I'm I'm all for hating on Doug Peterson. And when it is warranted, I will I will lead the charge. Uh, but yeah, BLG, I think, I think uh, maybe a little out of line, maybe some sort of I don't know. Is there's a personal axe to grind here because this is definitely a, a very, very aggressive statement about a coach who, you know, won seven games last year. I don't, again, really six, but for all intents and purposes, you know, wasn't Rich Kotite. That I mean, he basically is suggesting that the Eagles fire Doug Peterson right now. Like even the people who hate Doug Peterson, I don't think that's what you really want. Like, like that's what you want. Like them to fire him like a week before the no, season. Of like not. that's outrageous. So that's Why would anyone ever want that? That's basically what he's suggesting here. Because he he goes on to say something like, "When will the Eagles admit their mistake? Are they just gonna throw away the 2017 season by what? stubbornly sticking with Doug Peterson?" It's just like, dude. Now, here's the thing about Mike Lombardi. I mean, first of all, he just has really bad opinions. Look at his Sixers takes. They're just terrible. Um, right. I'm, but, I'm, I mean, I'm willing to, to give a – he is a football guy more than basketball. Sure. I'm with you. He, his biggest problem is he has diarrhea of the mouth. He just says yeah. shit sometimes and doesn't even think about what he's saying or the consequences of what he's saying. And is he really even qualified like, to give us this opinion? I mean, look, you know, I don't – I mean, in the sense was, of, like – an NFL us. general manager, you know, he's yes. worked with Bill Belichick. He's worked with Al Davis. He's worked with a lot of people who had success in the league. Like, look, I'm with you. Like, I'm not. But I he think, hasn't had a lot of success. That's in true. The league. That's fair. He's <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. All right, look, um, you know, the other thing. Th- that's kind of the problem, though, right? Like when we're listening to Matt Milling call a game, and it's like, why should I listen to this fucking guy? Right. He took 17 receivers in the first round. You know, so it's like I don't know. It's kind of a slippery slope there. And here's the thing. Obviously, a lot of these hot takes are out there because they get attention. I don't know if that's this case. You know, I'm, I'm sure Mike Lombardi actually might believe this. But in any case, I'm sure the ringer doesn't hate that it's out there because they want a lot of these places want hot takes to get out there so that blogs like myself, Bleeding Your Nation, pick it up and then we talk Way about it go, on podcast. So we let them win. This. But it's so ridiculous that I couldn't ignore it. And, um, it would be really funny now if Doug did turn out to be a decent coach because like, just, Lombardi's just going to look like the biggest moron. I don't know if that's likely. I know, James, you don't think that's likely. I probably don't even think that's likely. But if it happened, <laughs> it'll be really funny to come back to this quote and be like, all right, Mike Lombardi, you said he wouldn't last 51 games, and now you know, now it's five-time Super Bowl winning head coach, Doug Peterson, best oh coach in the Oh, my God, please. Can you, can you fu- <laughs> fu- please? Here's what I'll say. I'll say two things. Uh, one being that, like, again, just to reiterate the point that I think uh, anyone who listens to BGN Radio knows that I, you know, whenever there's a joke about hating Doug Peterson or whatever, it's always me. I'm always the guy who's like, oh, Bob, you know, James, he fucking hates Peterson. I'm that guy. <laughs> and that's fine. I'll, I'll own that mantle. I'll, you know, I'm fine with it. But I'm always willing to say, like, we haven't seen close to enough and we've seen some good. Like, even me, the yeah. guy who's quote unquote is not a Peterson guy. Um, I think that is so asinine what, what Lombardi said there. 
Um, I, I don't know if I'm go- willing to say that Lombardi knows nothing about football, uh, but I certainly think that was a, a shit take that that is, um, you know, maybe comes from some sort of, um, who knows? I mean, Lombardi's a Philly guy. Maybe he's got a history with Doug or with Andy or whatever. Who the hell knows? Uh, but it's certainly, it just, it, it comes off as petty. It comes off as, um, yeah, it comes off as, as kind of a dumb. below the a lo- <laughs> and below the belt and dumb, like below the belt as well. Um, so, you know, uh, but here's what I'll say about Doug. And again, this is not to, to defend Doug or whatever, but um, there was another manager in this town who didn't do a good job and everybody shit on and everyone thought was a buffoon and thought he, that he couldn't manage a team. Uh, and he went on to win two World Series and last year put on the best managing display I've ever seen in any sort of baseball playoffs or anything. Terry Francona turned out to be a pretty fucking awesome manager, and this city thought he was a, a, a idiot disaster. So uh, it can happen. You could see that type of thing where the, maybe the initial, um, you know, initial take on someone isn't necessarily the right one. And thus, even I am willing to give Doug Peterson a chance, Mike Lombardi, Join me, and then uh, if he sucks, then we can, uh, you know, rejoice together. Just kidding. I actually want him to be good. Trust me. That's the point you made, Brandon. I want Doug Peterson to be Bill Belichick 2.0. I just don't think it's going to happen, but fingers crossed. BLG, a um, lot of uh, of stuff uh, of here today. I'm happy uh, we kind of got a chance to break down this 53-man, and of course, tons of stuff coming up this week. We got the Daily Pods. We've got this week in Fantasy, Sigmund Bloom returns. Uh, there will be more, of course, of the Mothership shows, WIP on Saturday, 1 to 3 as we had in the season. Just tons and tons of stuff coming up. We got more fun stuff to announce coming up. BLG, any uh, final thoughts either about the roster or the season coming up or, or whatever the hell you want, my friend? So two things. And the first thing is thank you to all of our awesome listeners who have now got us up to 312 five-star iTunes reviews. So... Yes, a big roaring round of applause to you guys because we were, I don't know, I think around 100 and something earlier this summer, and we've been making the push, and you guys have been awesome with that, so please continue to do that. It would be awesome to hit 500 pretty soon since we're about 200 away, so let's try to get those done. As always, thank you. And second of all, well, let me add a a sub-point in here. I'm just realizing that on iTunes, it says clean lyrics through this podcast, and that is not very true at all when James is on here. So this, is, <laughs> this is a fake uh, little disclaimer there, but hopefully we don't want to be explicit, so hopefully that doesn't get changed. Um, second real thought, though, is, man, it's all over. Free agency is over. The offseason is over. Cuts are over. It's all done. It is Washington week. It is time to go down to Washington, and as Lane Johnson said, open a can of whoop-ass. It's time to beat this team that the Eagles have not beaten in way too long. It's been three years now. they got to get it done. This is the game. We have Nate Sudfeld. We're not losing. The Eagles are winning this game. BLG, my final thought. Fuck Washington. Fuck those racist bastards. Uh, Not explicit. Um, BLG, (laughs) um, hopefully... Uh, hopefully we can see a win. And, and listen, guys, we got all kinds of content coming out this week to to get set for that one. But uh, early take, I think BLG and I both feeling pretty good about this one. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they can find a way to go down to Washington. And uh, and finally, it's kind of crazy, BLG, when you think about it, uh, how long it's yes. been. So uh, again, check everything out this week. Uh, we'll have a preview show, of course, the wrap up show live, uh, uh, Facebook Live as well, uh, and of course the Saturday show on WIP. 
one to three with John, Brandon, and myself. So for Brandon Lee Gowton, for the uh, the not here John Barchard, for the entire BGN crew, we'd love to thank you so much for, for being here during this offseason and uh, sticking with us through the Matt McGloin era. Thank God oh. that is over uh, and all that stuff. And uh, we're really excited to kind of just uh, – just freaking hit the ground running and, and go nuts this season so uh really looking forward to it so again for blg i am james seltzer thank you for listening to episode 257 of bgn radio Like the lift. For no reason at all, I can't recall her niggas roll a season in my face. Down the hall, I kick it in.